Jesus for the sake of Cape Town. Stepping into the story of God and the ways of Jesus for the sake of Cape Town. The ways of Jesus mean a, a way of living your life that is Jesus' way. And the Sermon on the Mount, we're busy at it at the moment, we're going to take a long time. Um, and we're exploring the ways of Jesus. You can't be in the Sermon on the Mount without your life changing because every single part of it challenges you and coaches you to live your life differently, to live your life in the ways of Jesus. And um, all of this that God is doing in us is because it needs to go out to the city of Cape Town. And uh, I'll speak more about that this morning. If we come to the part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, where Jesus casts a vision for his followers to make a huge difference in the world. Matthew 5, verse 13, let's start there. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the earth. So nowadays salt is, is, is worth nothing, let's be honest. But in Jesus' day, it was a valued commodity. Roman soldiers would sometimes be paid with salt. That's where the saying comes from. That guy was worth his salt. And Jesus, when he says, you are the salt of the world, the word you is emphatic. You and you alone are the salt of the earth. There's no other community on the face of the earth that gets the job of being salt. And the word earth there refers to all the people of the world, as well as every aspect of society and life. And notice three ideas that I'd love to uh, bring to your mind about salt. Firstly, preserve and flavor. Preserve and flavor. In those days, salt was used primarily as a preservative to prevent decay. South Africans know the preservative power of salt really well. We built on And uh, all the spheres of life and society are in the process of moral decay, social decay, spiritual decay. Jesus says to his disciples, he says to you, slow down or arrest the decay in society. Prevent the world from being as bad as it could be. Sad that salt doesn't just preserve, it also adds flavor. So release some of God's flavors into the world. Some of God's kingdom. Infuse this world with heavenly flavor. Bring a unique seasoning to society. I also appreciate that Jesus doesn't want us to be sugar. Uh, Christians are often very nice people. We don't really sugarcoat the evil of society. We call to be salt, courageously, consistently, creatively bringing about a change for good. So preserve and flavor. And then another idea is contact. And contrast. Contact and contrast. Now this might sound like rocket science, but I'm going to try and break it down for you. If you're eating food and there's salt in front of you, that salt only works on your food if one, it actually makes contact with your food, and two, it contrasts the rest of the food. Contact needs to actually get on the food. Contrast needs to add, it needs to be a different flavor to the food to work. The first error so many followers of Jesus made is failing to make contact. Talking here about followers of Jesus who cluster into salt shakers and enjoy each other's salt. We are not to retreat into monasteries and endless church activities that seclude us from the world and society. The second error that salt makes is failing to contrast. 
failing to contrast. Jesus says, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on a foot. So he explains something about the first century. They didn't get salt like we do from evaporated salt water. They get it from salt marshes. And therefore the salt would contain impurities. The actual salt, being more soluble than the impurities, could be leached out, leaving a residue that looked like salt, but was so diluted that it was a little use that people would literally just throw it onto the streets and be trampled over. Jesus never came to take his disciples out of the world, but to take the world out of his disciples. Jesus puts great confidence in your ability to maintain distinctness even while you get involved with relationships with people who don't know God and live your life in this world. Your influence, your ability to influence for good is found not in your conformity to the world's values and beliefs, but in your contrast to so many of the world's values and beliefs. You are counter-cultural. If we compromise and conform to society, we lose our capacity to influence. Our lives are wasted. Instead of influencing society for good, we get trampled into the ground and our opportunity for influence is lost. So what do we have? So we've got preserved flavor, we've got contact and contrast. One last one. Sprinkle and permeate. Sprinkle and permeate. Salt exists to be given away. We exist to benefit, to bless, to serve society. Single church exists to step into the story of God and the ways of Jesus for the sake of Cape Town. Sprinkle. Actually needs to get out of the salt shaker. And you don't just pour it on one part of your food. This is how I took my older kids to watch our movies. And uh, we went to go watch Top Gun Maverick. Actually, read somebody on Instagram saying, Goodness, they're so old now, they get discount tickets to watch Top Gun. And then someone commented, Yeah, but, but Tom Cruise would qualify for the same discounts. <laughs> but when you go to the movies, you get popcorn. Uh, you know, if you're in for another 200 rand to the pool. And, uh, and then you put, you put salt on it. And then the worst thing that happens is you eat, and the first part is too salty, and then there's not enough salt. Now, you want to sprinkle all over the food. And that's what God does. He takes your life and He puts your life in a certain workplace. He puts your life in a certain group of friends. He puts your life in a certain family. It might seem so random. Why did I land up with these people? Why did I land up in this job? Why are my kids in this school? And yet God places you And there's hope for any family. There's hope for any group of friends, any school, any workplace, any industry that has a single follower of Jesus in it. And we change society by participating in society. Whether it's sports or art or media or government or business or family or social justice initiatives or developmental agencies or the academy or property or health or making world-class furniture or whatever. If we fail to get involved, we fail to influence. Now here's a little thought. The church has been around for 2,000 years and has, you know, especially in many hundred years, uh, pervaded certain aspects of planet Earth. What impact has it made? Well, there's a popular but hopelessly misguided narrative that with the arrival of Christianity came the death of all that, is, that was good in the ancient world. The end of fun. The end of freedom. And, uh, you know, I recently read a book by a guy called Tom Holland called Dominion, The Making of the Western Mind. And he tracks his own journey as a scholar 
who won't believe this very narrative. And this is what he shows in his book, that even non-religious Western people who live in Cape Town, who live in Westernized parts of the world, they know to the depth of their being that human life is valuable. They, they believe that we have a responsibility to the weakest amongst us. They believe that vested interests must be resisted. They believe to the core of their being that humility is good and reconciliation is good. So is love, so is integrity, so is an ethic of service. These are all inherently good. Tom Holland as a historian asked the question, where on earth did these ideas come from that everyone believes? Did they come from ancient paganism, asked Tom Holland. Certainly not, he says. As one who has written about the ancient pagan world, he was horrified by the brutality of it, the way the strong exploited the weak, the low value of human life. Tom Holland asked, did these ideas perhaps come from religion in general? For instance, Holland expected to find resonance with, with uh, the Islamic cultures he studied in the Middle East. After all, Islamic countries prize their ethics. Yet even there we find a world arising from its sacred texts that created sensibilities so very different from the ones he had inherited from the best of European civilization. Tom Holland, not a Christian, was only when he read the scriptures, especially the Gospels and St. Paul, that he realized that these texts had introduced a new way of seeing the world that would solve society for centuries until such time as its ideas would become pervasive assumptions. Even though many of us would have forgotten where on earth these ideas came from. Tom Holland concludes, to live in a Western country is to live in a society still utterly saturated by Christian concepts and assumptions. Followers of Jesus are to be change agents and culture shapers. You are the salt of the earth. Let's move on to the second part of our passage today. Matthew 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, the word you is emphatic. You and you alone are the light of the earth. Elsewhere, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he calls us to trust in him so that we have the light. But here Jesus stretches the idea further. Not only do we have the light, we become the light. My favorite analogy of this is you're like the moon and Jesus is the sun. On a full moon night, you get this bright light into, into darkness. And yet the moon doesn't have any light of its own. It reflects the light of the moon. You get to be the full moon of Jesus in this world. And what is the world here? Again, it's parallel to the earth. It refers to all the people of the world, as well as all possible spheres of life and society. Three things we notice here. Bold visibility. Bold visibility. As Jen said, ask God to show you what the word is over your life. Jesus, what's the word over my life? One word came to me. Bold. That a city on the hill cannot be hidden. He's referring, of course, to the city of Jerusalem. The city on top of Mount Zion. That at night time would be lit up so that if you were you know, in the valleys, in the dark, and you'd 
you were still, you know, looking for Jerusalem. You got there later than you'd hoped as a pilgrim. You could see the light on the hill and you could move towards like a moth to the lights. The church is a community that needs to position itself on the hilltop of openness and visibility. Not in the valley of obscurity and invisibility. Quite remarkable that um, Tessa shared those words about being hidden. <laughs> Jesus got a way of teasing us out of the dark corners, the secrecy, the, the, the obscurity. Calls you out, shines his light on you. He puts you in a place where you shine your light to some people. He carries on. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The typical lamp in a Jewish home was fairly small and was placed on a stand to give maximum illumination to this windowless house. This famous preacher from over 100 years ago called Charles Spurgeon. Every now and then I find, you see what he had to say about this passage when he preached it. I'll give you a quote. Jerry says, Poor world, it is dark and it gropes in midnight. It cannot get light unless it receives it through us. To be the light of the world surrounds our lives with the most stupendous significance. Hear this, you ordinary men and women. You are the light of the world. If you burn dimly, dim is the world's light in dense darkness. Christ never contemplated the possibility of secret followers whose chained lives would never be displayed, pilgrims who would travel to heaven by night and never be seen by their fellow pilgrims or anyone else. Signal. Position yourself on the lampstand of bold visibility rather than under the bowl of fearful secrecy. Another idea from this passage is tell others that God is real and good. Tell others that God is real and good. I mean, what is the light? It's, a, it's this God-given revelation of who God really is and how He has really revealed Himself in Jesus Christ. The world does not comprehend that God loves us so much that He gave us His one and only Son to die for us so that it can be forgiven and transformed by grace. The world does not grasp what God is like until someone who knows God introduces them to Him. Until someone tells them with the help of the Holy Spirit. See, we receive this light when we receive the revelation and then we transmit this light when we reveal it to others. Your mission is to know God and to make Him known. Which leads to another thought. Show others that God is real and good. Show others that God is real and good. Don't just tell others. Show others. Evil prospers when good people say nothing or do nothing. The desperate world and need in the world is for followers of Jesus who are experiencing the transforming grace of God in their lives to become agents of transformation in the world. Don't just tell them, show them. Live in such a way, says Jesus, that the world may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, we need to demonstrate God's love for justice. We need to put into action His heart for humanity. We need to evidence through our lives His compassion for the hurting, His longing for reconciliation, His passion for creativity. How do we do this? How do we resist what is false? And corrupt and unjust? How do we promote what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy? Well, we do it through our examples. We do it through our prayers. We do it through our actions, our writings, our words, our conversations, our protests, our initiatives, our advocacy, our creativity. 
And what if we succeed in both telling and showing people that God is real, that God is good? Well, Jesus says people will glorify your Father in heaven. Many will be won over by the gospel and will become worshippers of the Father along with us. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Jesus says these words to his disciples when they're early in adventure following him. There's still so much darkness in the corners of their lives. There's still so much that is not salty about their lives. Read the Gospels and you'll see these disciples have got a long way to go. And yet he puts great confidence in his ability to work in their lives to make them more salty and to make them shine brighter. And he tells them that this is his plan A. You are God's plan A for the city of Cape Town. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I know that you struggle. I know that you're disappointed in some ways. I know that there's areas that don't seem to come free. Jesus still speaks his word of promise over your life. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I know that you've experienced some disappointment when you try to reach some people for Jesus. You try to make a difference. Jesus still speaks the words. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You know what today is in the Christian calendar? Pentecost. Pentecost. Yeah. So let me read Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 120 of them in an upper room. Probably like 130 of us in this room right now. Maybe 120. Let's say we're 120. In an upper room. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. So they're all in this room. They're praying. There's a sound. And then in front of them there's this flame that materializes. One flame. A fireplace. Tongues of fire. Okay, what's it doing now? It's separating. Little bits of flame are breaking off. Where, where are these little flames going? Oh look, they're on top of her head now. They're on top of his head. Her head, his head, his head, her head. Zay head. Sorry. <laughs> My head. Every single person had the flame over their head. All of them were filled. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So I've got two more thoughts. And, and I refer to this because it picks up on the theme of the light in the world. My first thought is this. Be lit. Oh, the word lit is now a very cool word. <laughs> be lit. There is an excitement that comes from life in the Spirit. There is a joy that comes from life in the Spirit. There is a supernatural uh, enthusiasm that comes from life in the Spirit. Be lit! Be lit! Let the Spirit light upon you. Let Him set you free. Let Him bring more joy in your life. More enthusiasm for the things of God. More boldness. And that applies to extroverts and introverts. Introverts don't become extroverts, but you do get lit introverts, and you get lit extroverts. 
be led by the Spirit. This is not a self-generated word. This is not something that people can do for you. This is something far more than just listening for like three minutes in the car to a motivational talk that gets you pumped about what you can do. No, this is a supernatural touch of God. Be lit by the Spirit. See, when you're filled with the Spirit, it's something you're conscious of. And it's also something that makes you conspicuous. People notice there's something different about you. Did you meet someone? Well, yeah, actually. Who? Well, this is this guy. How old is he? 33. What's his name? Jesus. Be lit! And then secondly, carry the flame. 120 on the day of Pentecost spill out of that upper room. Because there are people in the city of Jerusalem that need to be reached. They carry the flame with them. And Acts chapter 2 becomes Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, and we watch this flame being blown by the Spirit and spreading like wildfire across the ancient world. Somehow, I hope about Crook, it's arrived out the southern to the Cape Town. The gospel has got down. The flame of the Spirit has got down. There's no stopping him now. Once you're lit, you become a flame carrier. This too is part of what it means to be the light of the world. Why don't you stand up? So as I've been listening to the prophetic words the last few weeks, um, there's been an increase in the Spirit of God upon this community. Um, were any of us praying and fasting for an increase of the Spirit upon our community? Not that I know of. Just one day it came in greater intensity than we remember. Oh my goodness, what just happened? And there's been prophetic words, it's the beginning of something. And then, and then there's been prophetic words about, I mean, I think about your word, Julian, you know, being broken. What do you do when you're in the room and you've gone through some pain in your life? You, you just get touched by the Spirit and then you're happy again and all your pain is gone. Well, I don't, I don't experience healing like that, especially when you're talking about devastating life experiences. Rejections, misunderstandings, grief, loss, betrayal. That often takes some time to be healed. And because Jesus is such a good healer, sometimes he, he brings to the surface that pain. But the question is, is the pain coming or is the pain going? So you see, Jesus doesn't come to, to deprive you of the human experience. Human experience involves pain. And uh, our culture teaches us to, to try to get so busy that we don't deal with the agony in our lives. The good counselor, I've gone to many therapists over the years, they, they bring to the surface the pain. <laughs> what, what did that feel like? <laughs> you find words to describe the pain. But the question is, is the pain coming? Is it arriving? Or is it healing? It's healing. So, 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 as the Holy Spirit works in your life to bring restoration, sometimes you can leave a meeting like this and feel, oh my goodness, I feel more vulnerable than I did before. And it's because Jesus is the healer who's opening up a festering wound so that it can heal. And sometimes we're healed in the wrong way and we're more broken than before. So Jesus' word, he breaks you free. He breaks you free. 
Sometimes for Jesus to get you from here to there, only way he can do is to break you. You are so entrenched in a certain pathway. You're so entrenched in a group of relationships. You're so entrenched in some mindsets about him, about yourself, about the world. That it's almost like it's impossible to get through to you except for a, what feels like a bit of a rough intervention of your life. I'm describing myself. If you want to know how come Terry can describe so well your experience is because I'm describing my experience. Sometimes he breaks us to break us. But it's pretty cool if you can accelerate that healing. We trust in God for accelerated recovery in your life. I believe what I can never play a part in the church again. I've tried, I've failed, I was misunderstood. When I arrived at this church, I honestly had planned never to be a church leader again. Honestly. And for the simple reason, I could not imagine doing this. It just seemed impossible. I'd had such a, a grievous experience in my own journey of trying to follow Jesus in, a, in this kind of way. Well, I'm not, I lead the team that leads the church, I'm not overplaying my role, but, but, but God will do in your life what He needs to do, and the gifts and the grace upon your life He plans to bring to fruition. So we're in a safe community where we can be real with each other. And uh, it's one of the reasons we encourage you to get into nightclubs so you can actually build relationships and share this journey with each other. Community is journey with fellow pilgrims in the mysteries of God. We need each other. I need you. So I find Jen and Luke and Rhea and Lee and Dave. I was lost. <laughs> but then we found each other. And there's so much healing that's just come through. Some people that are your people. I pray for each of you that you find your people. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's this church, and it's another church. It's important we find our people. So, so Jesus is working restoration in your life. But Jesus is also is pouring out His Spirit upon us, empowering us for the mission ahead of us. And that's the point of today's message. Is the power comes upon us to make us salt, to make us light. This intense outpouring of God's presence in our midst connects to the things that you're going to do for Jesus in your generation. It connects to the people whose lives you're going to touch. You don't even know who they are right now, but God knows. God has a whole bunch, a long list of names that your life is going to touch. And you can't see the connection, but you're receiving His empowerment in our times together. You're being reformed into the ways of Jesus. Is all part of setting you up to be a blessing to those people in the city of Cape Town and we're in a, we're a community where there's been a gathering of people but there will come a sending of people I mean Gareth and Angela were part of the church for nine months and now they're part of the church that is the same size as the church in Durbanville sending some of us are going to meet other churches the other works, the sent from this community. The Spirit of God is not just to free us, but to send us on mission. It doesn't mean you leave single church. There will be many people that do that kind of thing. But we live our lives as sent ones on a mission. So why don't we just sing now? We welcome our Holy Spirit to keep on doing what He is doing. Will prophetic nudges come to us? Will guide us? How we facilitate this time of worship and ministry? Just enjoy God's presence together. And by the way, about the time we're going to be finishing.
11, if you look down your pocket, it's 11, you're free to go. 